Welcome to the Sales Talent Recruitment Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association. In this CPSA Recruitment and Talent Podcast, we'll talk about bench strength and the importance of sales succession planning. Knowing who should be promoted or moved laterally within an organization and where and when is why succession planning is so important to keeping companies growing and successful. The conundrum is what to do with top salespeople. Do you promote them to sales managers or do you keep them doing what they do best, which is selling? Time and again, companies find that great salespeople don't always translate into great managers. Whether your individual salespeople express interest in wanting to manage or move internally, or the sales manager and human resources work together to identify and maintain bench strength on the sales team internally and externally, especially since many organizations experience regular churn. Regardless of the method, two-way communication is always key when managing your people. This includes the traditional performance review and career path interviews with HR and managers that will cover short and long-term goals. Sales succession planning and managerial promotion are highly critical to the business's overall success and increases the availability of experienced and capable employees that are prepared to assume these key roles as they become available. Our guest today is Lori Richardson. As founder and CEO of Scoremore Sales, Lori leads efforts for B2B frontline sales growth and works with or in conjunction with technology brands worldwide. Lori's a people person, a super connector, and she gets great joy in helping new SDRs and other sales reps learn ways to grow net new revenues. For sales professionals, team leaders, and organizations across the country, the Canadian Professional Sales Association is your partner in building knowledge and skills to improve sales performance. The CPSA is the advocate for excellence in sales. We invest resources in programming, curriculum development, and professional designations to help individuals and companies become more successful through effective sales. We connect employers and employees, business with academia, and the private sector with government to advance the sales profession and improve Canadian competitiveness. Learn more at cpsa.com. And remember to subscribe to the CPSA podcast through iTunes, Google Play, and more. Lori, thank you so much for being on the CPSA Recruitment and Talent Podcast. Before we dive into the rest of the show, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do today? Thank you, Kevin. It's great to be here. And I guess the best thing I can say is that I consider myself a lifelong sales enthusiast and a student of sales. I I started young. I got into technology sales in my early 20s. I progressed to sales leadership. I built sales teams and helped uh, everyone in a company to improve professionally. Then I started my consulting business 15 years ago. So I have a strong background in project management systems, but I also have an artistic side, which I think really gets to shine through working with sales professionals. That's great, Lori. Thank you so much for sharing that. And speaking of sales leadership and transitioning into those roles and your in your previous incarnations that you just explained to us you know better than anybody that succession planning is so important today to keep companies growing and successful um, even more so with salespeople, right so what are the initial considerations for human resources and sales managers in determining their bench strength and replacing the churn and the turnover that they some companies will will have in their sales teams So there's a a shorter answer and a longer answer. The shorter answer is that HR needs to understand that sales is a little different beast than the rest of the company. Sales managers need to be involved in, in the hiring of sales team. And it's not a 
coincidence that I named my company Score More Sales. It's kind of a tip of the hat, if you will, to the parallel between sports and professional selling. There are lots of similarities, including the idea of having a strong sales bench ready to go. So whether you're playing baseball or football or my favorite sport, which is hockey, there's no question that you must always be thinking about your bench and building it so you're always putting players out there who not only can play, but they want to play. You know, think of sports teams for themselves and for your team. So in business, it's the same way. We need salespeople who are not only skilled, but they play hard for themselves and the company. And if they don't, you know what? You get more, you get different salespeople involved. Laurie, that's right on the money. And I know one of uh, a guest that I had recently on another part of this uh, podcast series, she had used the phrase to me, the salespeople that you hire, they have to want it more than you want it, meaning to be successful, to help grow the business and, and to also reap the benefits of that. And I think that's kind of echoes what you're just saying right now. You, they really do have to want it more than you want it. So that said, but not all top salespeople, they don't always translate into good managers though, right? How do you recommend companies evaluate managerial abilities versus sales acumen? First of all, salespeople can be evaluated for their, uh, what we consider sales DNA. And sales managers, by the same token, they have certain uh, traits and characteristics that we're looking for. It's so funny that for years we've been promoting top salespeople and the managers as if there are a lot of similarities, but there really aren't. I mean, a uh, a lot of us know that a good parent is closer to what you need as a good sales leader than what a sales rep typically brings. So when, when I sell, as a, you know, when I was in my sales career, I was pretty self-focused, working on my own for my goal, uh, bringing in others only as I needed. Mm-hmm. And at bottom line, it was all about me. And sales leadership is very much the opposite. You know, it, it's a man, there's a management piece. And you need high emotional intelligence empathy, teamwork skills, great communication, and, you know, high desire and commitment, just like you do in sales. But, you know, it's a desire uh, and commitment for, you know, what you're doing in terms of being successful in sales management. So it's a a little different beast and uh, it doesn't match up for everybody going from one role to the other. How do you, and 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 in your previous experience, how do you discern that? Meaning, how are you discerning the sale, not only the sales DNA, but, uh, but the, the, the traits that you just outlined for, for leadership positions, right? And prior to um, either when you're trying to bring somebody from the outside in and or those that are already on staff, what, what are some of the evaluation methods that you use? In the beginning, I did it by gut, which I think a lot of people have tried. And that doesn't work very well. You know, you get, I never got better than 50% uh, success when I hired by gut. Right. I I don't know many people that do much better than that. Um, So over time, I found tools to help do that. So, you know, now we use tools that help evaluate a sales team's performance and also help tell who would be a good fit coming into a, to a company in a sales role. And again, it's different for, you know, any other kind of an assessment that might go on for other roles in a company. 
sales is really a different area and people need to understand that. What's fascinating to me is that modern neuroscience and the related research around that um, have, have pretty well established that we're horrible decision makers as human beings. <laughs> And yeah. I mean, it's true again and again. And there's, you know, there's a whole a body of, of, of knowledge and research now around behavioral economics, which I'm just fascinated by, which we could talk yeah. about. We could talk about it in a whole other podcast. But yeah, but, th- but that said, that's something that um, HR, especially recruiting professionals, and, and I work closely with a lot of them that, that they, you know, we struggle with that, right? Because we don't want to be told that we're, we don't do a very good job at selecting. So yeah. What, another way, though, besides the assessments and two different tools that maybe you use, there's also the the actual performance reviews that need to be conducted on a regular basis, which can be somewhat subjective, but they're important still. Yeah. I know some. I know there's been a whole bunch of discussion about some companies are throwing them out the window. No more performance reviews. I I don't know. I mean, what do you think? How often should they be conducted? If they should be conducted, and what should they entail? performance reviews. I know that opens a big can of worms. I I would say generally that a standard performance review does not work well for the sales department. Just like standard recruiting uh, of non-sales positions does not work well for the sales department. So I'm a believer in, in a no surprises management style. So what that means is if I am, if I have a rep and they don't have a clue that they're not performing I'm not doing my job right. Sure. So so people need feedback all the time in sales. And that's a big issue for managers is that, you know, I've worked with companies where the sales manager thinks a rep isn't doing their job and they just stop talking to them, you know, because <laughs> like, well, they don't listen to me. So I don't talk to them anymore. I mean, you know, you just can't do that. Reps should always know what they need to work on in order to improve and, and reps and managers meet frequently so you don't need a three-month mark or a six-month review or a one-year review to figure out where you stand. I mean, you know, the thing about sales is that we have a pulse on the pipeline and and the team and the process all the time. So it needs to be real time. And, you know, one aspect for most roles is an agreed-upon amount of quality conversations, for example. You know, rather than how many dials did you make today, that that's an old way of thinking. But how much are you actually engaging with buyers? So those are really valuable things to measure, and and I don't often see those in you know a standard performance review. So that's an example of what we need in sales. We know that many reps have fewer conversations than they need to in order to be successful. So we should gear our performance expectations around what they really need to succeed. So are you, and I agree with you because especially if you, you've got numbers that you need to meet, right. On a monthly yeah. quarterly basis, you there, there, it does not make sense to do the, the semi-annual or annual performance review for, especially for salespeople or anybody that's related right. peripherally to sales, right. Account managers, is, right. anybody that's responsible for renewals as well as net new. They need to yeah, be. Yeah, that's too long down the road. Six right. months or a year. It's just it's too late. What's the recommendation then? Is it is it a is it a weekly call? It's a, is it a daily check in? Is that too much? Is it a is it a one on one weekly call and then like a group bi weekly or well, monthly? How, what what do you recommend? You know, different teams do different things, but what I have found in in all sorts of different companies and industries, what what I think works best is a quick 
very quick daily check-in. Uh, I mean, five, 10 minutes, that's it with everybody on the team. Or if you have a large team, it's broken down in a smaller team and it's very quick. And then there's at least weekly coaching, if not more. I, I believe in more coaching than that. Um, but at a minimum, there should be a, a weekly coaching with individual reps, one-on-one. I completely agree with you. I think that's extremely important. I have regular one-on-ones with my team now and, and not from a sales capacity, but just the teams that work for me in the research firm that I yeah. work with called Talent Board. <clears throat> I think it's very critical to have a weekly touch uh, touch base. Um, even, you know, sometimes it could be as, as short as 10 to 15 minutes. Maybe it needs to be longer depending on what the issues need to be addressed, but that check-in is really critical. And it's critical for all the buzzwords that we talk about too, right? And, and engagement and retaining those individuals and, and just ensuring well, that. Yeah. Yeah. And the weekly coaching is more than a check-in. It's about, you know, Kevin, tell me about conversation with a buyer you had this week and that maybe didn't go as well as you would have liked, you know, so that I can give some on the spot feedback right. and what would you do differently? And, you know, how can we change that? And, and I'm not giving you all the answers, but I'm making you think about it. And I'm trying to help you apply it to your next calls and your next conversations. So you start to see patterns. Lori, what other factors are critical when it comes to retaining top salespeople? We covered, we've covered quite a bit, but also ensuring that the right candidates are in place for promotion and or any important lateral moves within the organization, particularly in sales, whether it be net new or, renew, or renewals capacity for that matter. What, any other factors you recommend that are critical? You know, it's one thing to hire good reps. It's another thing to keep them. And, and to keep them, you need to be a leader. You need to be high integrity. You know, you need to have a company and an atmosphere that people want to be involved in. And, and I think that that's changing over time with younger reps coming in, that we need to be critical of whether we're hitting the mark on that. I also, you know, I'm a big fan of seeing more women get into sales. So I would recommend, you know, other factors being a mix of women and men on, on your team. If you're in technology and you don't have a woman on your team, I see, I still see this, you know, we need more women sales leaders and developing top great female reps is a good start towards that. And, and it's not just a feel-good thing to do, but there's actually rev, revenue increases that are associated with that. So I think that's an angle I can bring that you might not normally hear as other factors. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I appreciate you sharing, and I, I, I couldn't concur more in that regard. So, Lori, thank you again for being on the CPSA podcast. Where can we find more information about Score More Sales and what you're doing today? You can find me all over the web at, at Score More Sales on Twitter. You know, we're all, all, all over the place. Google us and also Women's Sales Pros, which is the women, women's um, efforts I'm working on. Thank you for listening to the Sales Talent and Recruitment Show. Learn more about the training and benefits from the Canadian Professional Sales Association at cpsa.com.